What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, it's up again. Does anyone understand GameStop? Just stop, will you? It's just let it go. Decoding the Reddit rebels and a warning from insiders Henry Blodgett. You can be completely right on the profoundness of the fundamental trend and still get at least temporarily killed in stocks. And one killer stock, Etsy had a huge 2020 as shoppers and even Elon Musk found lots to love in the online marketplace. CEO Josh Silverman. 2020 was a spectacular year for Etsy. I think it was a time when circumstance met preparedness. Those stories, plus awaiting the new COVID vaccine from Johnson & Johnson, the latest on the minimum wage debate, and Joe Kernan reads the teleprompter. I start saying something, ad-libbing, and then it's in the teleprompter, and then i got to say it again. It's Friday, February 26, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. It's February, and yeah. I, I quickly... And here it is. I quickly calculated that Monday is March. Monday is March. Right. March 1st. Because it's not, I think, a last year uh, was a leap year. We have elections during leap years, presidential elections. Because people kid around and say, you know, this person so only weird. votes for, as Colin Powell only votes for Democrats during leap year for president. Someone said that when he was saying, I'm voting for, uh, I don't know, it's funny. But, yeah, leap years are, are, are when we happen to do that. So that I quickly deduced it's 29 days in a leap year. Right. And so 28 makes that right. Sunday. So this is news you're not going to get a lot of different places. Does anyone understand Game, GameStop? I know you're going to talk about that now. Andrew, you got to no, stop. I, yeah, I see these Twitter people. Do not talk about the valuation of this thing. Just stop, will you? It's just let it I go, know. man. Let I'm, it go. Just, What's wrong with you? Let it go. Put it to the suits. Let just it give it to the suits. That's, that's, the, that's, the, <laughs> that's what I'm going to tell people to do. Go no. after the suits and win. Beat them. Beat the suits. Wish someone, would have told me that, someone would have told me that suits were bad. Uh, I, I wish, they, you know, it like hit me. But I, I'm a trendsetter. I got the you guys haven't been. You guys haven't been wearing suits for years. Right. Yeah, you guys haven't right. been wearing cool. suits for years. We're cool. You're we're cool in the wrong ties. way. Yeah, you're cool. Let's also take a look at GameStop. As, as we've been talking about this, that stock is up by about 8.5% this morning, 118.01 uh, trading price. So we had seen it above 150 yesterday. Um, the sell-off yesterday, even with that, it's still up more than 180% on the week. Other Reddit hype stocks this morning, if you want to take a look at uh, what they've been doing, not all of them taking off in the same way. You're going to see that uh, right now it looks like, yeah, AMC, Nokia, BlackBerry, and Koss all trading off. Costs, in fact, down by about uh, just over 10 percent. Today could be a crucial day in the fight against the coronavirus. An FDA advisory committee is going to be considering J&J's vaccine for emergency use authorization. If there are no surprises, it could receive approval as soon as tonight. Separately, the FDA is uh, easing ultra-low temperature requirements for Pfizer's COVID vaccine. That's good news because the treatment had previously been required to be stored between negative 76 and negative 112 degrees Fahrenheit. That posed a lot of challenges for distribution in rural areas. The FDA now says the vaccine can be stored at standard pharmacy freezer temperatures.
for up to two weeks. Meantime, President Biden spoke yesterday to uh, mark a COVID milestone. He said that 50 million vaccine doses had been administered in the U.S., putting the administration on track for its goal of 100 million vaccinations in 100 days. At first, critics said that goal was too ambitious. No one could do that. Then they said it was too small. At the bottom line, though, is that America will be the first country, perhaps the only one, to get that done. And today, I'm here to report we're halfway there. 15 million shots in just 37 days since I've become president. At least I'm hoping we're going to get more than 100 million doses in 100 days. Some people thought that that, 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 that goal was almost uh, baked into the cake. Right. A lot of conjecture about how it's been done in different states. You know, I, I saw what the West Virginia governor sort of, uh, cro- not crowing, but, but taking accolades for how well West Virginia uh, has done. And, and the, the argument is, do you do it with just age or, or do you try and do it some other way? And I think they just purely did it with age. If you're, you know, you come in and we talked about it before, if someone walks by, you ought to, you know, throw a dart at anybody that, that's near should get the shouldn't it? anybody that's near should get it. What, I don't if, know. If it's just I'd, I'd like to see shelves, age go first. Well, no, I know. I, but, I'd but like if to see age go first. But if but if you're if the if the supply is there and it's not being used because you oh, don't have enough sure. people of that age but, there. But but we're not know. to that point yet. I mean, I, I we're not to that point yet. It's frustrating to see, you know, like, places like New Jersey. I know all kinds of people who are in their 30s, who've said they're smokers, who've done other things to get the shots. My mother-in-law is 77 in Maine. My mother's 77. My mother-in-law is 77 in Maine. She's supposed to get her first shot today, but it's been quite a haul to try and get really? that um, that appointment set up. Totally so different, depending on where you are. I know some states are doing obviously, yeah. much, but, but we do want everyone eventually. It's the best way to do it. If you got yeah. it, give it to uh, people. Uh, totally right. agree. If, if you can get a shot, take it. Absolutely, but. It's frustrating. I know. It, and the thing is, you put it in perspective, we're actually doing so much better than, than any other nation in terms of this, any other big nation. We've got almost 20 percent of our, our population having at least one shot at this point. Maybe it's 19 percent or something right now. Right. If you look at Europe, it's 6 percent. So we are doing a better job, relatively speaking, to other big nations. It's just right. um, it, it's one of those things that where if, if you lose your job, it's a it's a depression, right? If you've got the shot, you think things have gone well. If you haven't, you're frustrated. You think it's going terribly. It's just a completely your one's perspective not, based on one's not are. bad. Either one's one's pretty good. No, and we'll hear no, about Jane. Right. We'll hear about J and J today. The other issue we've talked about a lot is this fifteen dollar per hour minimum wage. All along, the people said it wasn't going to pass the so-called bird rule, and it, it, once it gets a bird bath, and that apparently is what the parliamentarian said. The minimum wage is off the table. The in the Senate, at least uh, for now, as part of the president's one point nine trillion dollar COVID relief p- plan. We talked about this, Elon. Elon Moy. Uh, joins us uh, now with more. We were we were jumping the gun trying to figure out who is a yes or a no before you you found out whether the it could be in the bill in the first place based on reconciliation. Well, that's right, Joe. The White House had clearly been bracing for this decision, but it was still a big blow to Democrats when they found out last night that they cannot raise the minimum wage as part of their COVID relief package because, as you said, it simply does not comply with the special rules that they're using to pass this legislation without Republican support. So now Democrats are regrouping. Since the rules only apply to the Senate, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that she still plans to move forward today with a vote on a version of the bill that includes the $15 an hour rate. And she said that Democrats will pursue every possible path in the fight for 15 
Meanwhile, Progressive said they're ready to go nuclear. They're pointing to the real problem, they say, which is the rules, and they urge party leadership to either ignore the parliamentarian's decision or get rid of the filibuster. And Senator Bernie Sanders, one of the chief proponents of raising the wage, said that he is going to get creative. He said he's working on a new measure that would get rid of tax deductions for big businesses that don't pay at least $15 an hour. He said that he plans to push for that to be included in the final bill instead. I hope, no matter what our views on the minimum wage may be, I hope that we will all agree on one thing. U.S. taxpayers should not be forced to subsidize some of the largest and most profitable corporations in America. It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General, and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers a living wage. So the fight is still not over yet. Guys. Trying to figure out uh, that a lot of big companies already pay 15. I I don't know what he means by big, and it's some of the smaller companies that 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 wouldn't work for uh, for anyway. So what are the chances of that succeeding, Elon? Uh, not not very high of that actually being included in the final bill. He's proposed things like this before. There was the Stop Walmart Act that he put forth a couple of years ago that would have prevented companies from buying back their stock unless they paid at least $15 an hour. He had a Stop Bezos Act in which he had that beef with Amazon, if you remember, um, that would have forced them to uh, pay for some of the government services that he said their workers were using. So he does have support within uh, the progressive movement for these ideas. It would definitely comply with the bird rule that you talked about earlier. Um, but I think that in some ways, you know, having the parliamentarian make this decision actually was a silver lining for Democrats because it allowed them to avoid that sort of intra-party bickering over whether the rate should be $11 an hour or $15 an hour or be included at all that could have hung up passage of the broader bill. Yeah, and Costco, what Costco announcing today, they're going to 16 or something. So, well, Costco's been out in front uh, of things, I think. Oh, wait up. I didn't see this in the prompter, uh, but I had seen it earlier. But now it's one of my stories, Elon. It's so weird the way that keeps I shouldn't jump the gun. I should just what they tell me to do. I should just do. I'm going to stop all this other stuff. Thanks, Elon. Costco isn't waiting for a government order. The retailer is raising its starting wage for hourly workers to $16 an hour. Uh, That's more than rivals, including Amazon, Target, Walmart, Best Buy. And the higher pay rate takes effect next week. That's been happening more and more, Becky, where I, where I start saying something, ad living, and then it's in the teleprompter, and then I've got to say it again. So, you know what? From now on. Great minds. Right. No, from now yeah. on, I'm just not going to go off. The control room is actually cheering. I'm not going to go off the The control room is cheering. Joe's not going to go off the rails. Woo! Like Woo! Someone just said they wanted we'll it in writing. Last. They, someone said they wanted it in writing. <laughs> well, he got the tape. Guys, Play it again you know and again, guys. Next on Squawk Pod, does anybody understand what's going on with GameStop? The memes rise again. Insider CEO Henry Blodgett says it all feels familiar. Now, I would say this is exactly like the late 1990s. The the amount of just bananas speculation and the enthusiasm and the rage of the speculators against anybody that wants to tamp it down or urge conservatism or care or what have you is exactly like the 1990s. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. 
We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. This is Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. Hedge funds are playing defense after the GameStop squeeze by uh, scrapping social media sites, or should I say scraping social media sites, scrapping some as well. Leslie Picker joins us with more on this strategy. What's going on here, Leslie? Yeah, scraping and scrapping, <laughs> Andrew. And traditionally, that practice of scraping social media sites to see how sentiment might impact stocks has been used more for sourcing investment opportunities, doing due diligence, that kind of thing. Over the past few months, though, these types of data are being used increasingly for defense as a way of protecting portfolios. Thinknum, which sells scraped data to investors, found that an increase in mentions on social media for GameStop was a leading indicator for that pop this week. Thinknum's co-founder Justin Zen says he's seen a huge uptick in outreach from current and prospective clients looking for help defending their portfolios. Now, the one challenge, of course, is that not all content on the Internet is clear cut. For example, a tweet of ice cream is said to be at least partly responsible for the surge in GameStop this week. Now, it would be very hard-pressed to find a smart algorithm that could pick up on that nuance, guys. So what do you think about the ice cream? What do you think the ice cream really meant? (laughs) I've heard all sorts of theories, Andrew. You know, people say it's like a broken McDonald's machine that can be fixed. GameStop is similar to that. Um, You know, my own personal pun is that it's a a way to melt up the stock. I I have no idea. But you see kind of this almost arms race going on, whether, um, you know, explicitly or just kind of a byproduct of these various forums where, you know, you start to kind of develop your own lingo. And then the algorithms have to catch up to that and make sure that they're capturing all of this different nuance. It's not as clear cut as just like GME to the moon, which you see that on there quite a bit on these forums. But they're, you know, it's a little bit more difficult than that. Okay, uh, we'll be scraping and maybe scrapping some of that data. Appreciate it, Leslie. It makes people feel good. Long before Microsoft, Mr. Softy had a positive connotation because it was that, that truck that would come by when I was a kid. And that's what you'd get. And I, it gives me a good feeling, makes me want to buy stocks, I guess. I don't know. Lots of discussion on who's pulling uh, the strings on the latest GameStop rally. Maybe our next guest uh, can give us the answer we're all looking for. Joining us now is Henry Blodgett. See, Reason he might know, he's the CEO of Insider. So, you know, he's an insider. He's the founder and the editorial director. So 300 calls on GameStop. One day to go. Selling at six. Think about that. It's 200 points out of the, out of the money. Not anymore. It's 108. But I, I don't know. That just kind of sums up the, the, the potential, the volatility, the quick moves, the... And, and my point was I'd be scared to death of selling that that call naked, even at 300, because I could end up, you know, with ten, a loss of 10 times my money in this environment. What does all that say about the and, the and by the way, being scared to death is the emotion that you should convey to a lot of folks who are 
very enthusiastically jumping onto their special speculation apps and playing this because it's a lot of fun and, and so forth. But what you just described is what gets people killed, which is taking a lot of risks. They don't even realize that they're taking. And I, I'm sure we'll have a great forensic analysis in a week or two as to why, what triggered this. I mean, the obvious explanation would be some folks on the short side decided it was safe to bet to wade back into the water and just got killed. Uh, we shall see, but Joe, I have to say, and, and to Andrew, I, you, having lived through the 1990s for the last 20 years, I have often been asked as we get into a speculative episode or, or around the edges, you know, hey, is this like the 1990s? And right. up until now, I've always had to say no, 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 totally different order of what was happening. Now, I would say this is exactly like the late 1990s. The, the amount of just bananas speculation and the enthusiasm and the rage of the speculators of, against anybody that wants to tamp it down or urge conservatism or care or what have you is exactly like the 1990s. And I think, I don't know when it's going to end. One of the big questions that I, I, I certainly have been asking people is, hey, is this late 1998? mid-1999 or early 2000, and nobody knows the answer. But I, my guess is in a few years we're going to look back at this as yet another one of the major historical speculative so, episodes. So, Henry, the, 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 latest, uh, the latest bump in the road has been the, the rise in the 10-year, and it, it hits tech right away. And, it, and that makes sense, obviously, with when things are, for a lot of reasons. You know, if the Fed were, were to eventually cut off the gravy train and valuations come down in higher rates. Others have said that that doesn't change the future of any of these tech companies, that they're still going to just flourish. Could change the valuation of their stocks, though. Yeah, and, and that's actually that's totally right. It's an important thing to remember. And in the late 1990s, that's what everybody said. And certainly I was saying that, listen, the Internet is going to change the world and it's going to create huge and amazing businesses and it is going to destroy a lot of traditional businesses. All of that happened. And in fact, it happened way beyond what even the most enthusiastic people were thinking in the late 1990s. And yet, from 2000 to 2002, the most of the tech stocks still got absolutely obliterated. And so that is the point that I would, I would urge people to look when they look at history, which is that you can be completely right on the profoundness of the fundamental trend and still get at least temporarily killed in stocks. Becky, Having uh, said that, I will uh, say, Joe, one thing that's important and very interesting is a lot of the big tech names are actually not that crazy. You look at Microsoft, right, right, right. you look at Apple, right, 30, that's what's 30 different. plus P's. Right. That's what's different from the, the zero uh, earnings back when, when you yes. were. Uh, uh, so, Becky, you got a question. But then I want to get back to, to Henry about something else, because I, 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 I need him to answer something. So you go ahead, uh, Becky. So just get ready. <laughs> well, I, Henry, the, the idea that you said that this is the first time we look like the 1990s again, that made me literally sit up in my chair and, and, and kind of pay attention and take notice. That went on for several years, went on for a long time. The people were still dancing. You got to make money while that's still happening. And I hate I hate this time, maybe different type of questions. But let me just ask this. This time, what we keep hearing from people is the reason it's not as big of a problem as it was back in the 1990s is because this is affecting a smaller part of the market. This is just speculative areas, not the entire market being led by this. What do you think, having lived through that and having looked at this? 
I think that that's just yet another story that we are telling ourselves to to make ourselves feel better that we're on more solid ground. And there were a lot of those stories in the 1990s, too, starting with the Internet story. The Internet has been extraordinarily powerful and profound, and it's created these amazing companies. So we were dead right about that. But again, the market in the interim was tough. And so, so what I would say is there is just absolutely bananas crazy speculation in a lot of different areas, certainly in the SPACs, certainly in a lot of company, a lot of the tech companies that are currently way not profitable and never and won't be for a long time. Any other areas. So they're that at the margin. But then also the entire market is actually at, a, at an extreme level relative right. to all hey. history, including 2000. And that's because don't, of interest rates. But don't, those try also to, don't don't try to keep talking so that I, I don't uh, get to ask you this. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And we only got about two minutes left. So here I'm going to set it up like this. So uh, Tyler Winklevoss, big um, Bitcoin bull. He tweeted this morning. Someone said, look, if you didn't, if you're not in Bitcoin up to 58,000, you've missed it. You, you've missed your chance to get rich. Give it up. He then tweeted back. That's wrong. The case can be made instead of a trillion dollar market cap, it could have 10 trillion of the global financial system. And that would that would uh, cause you to save five hundred thousand dollars for Bitcoin. Now, I know at five thousand you were tuliped out at ten thousand. You said tulip mania. You doubled down at 20, said tulip, the more tulips at 30, greater fool theory at 40. And you still have not ever said anything positive about it. Joe, that is completely unfair. You, I said back. I said back in 2011, and okay. we can go back. We can go Where back. Where are to you print. now? That okay? Maybe it, you did. I don't it, know. But uh, is, it, is, it a tulip, to, is it a tulip now or not, Henry? Let me be, you, I'll, do you, I'll, do you I'll tell you exactly it? what I said back in 2011. Okay. It is the perfect asset for a speculative mania because it is hard to understand. It's going to be understood by more and more people over time. There's a very limited supply. It is absolutely impossible to value fundamentally because it has no value. It's only worth what somebody else will pay. So unlike a stock, which usually does have some relationship ultimately to a fundamental, Bitcoin doesn't. So that means it can trade anywhere. So what I said was, when it was trading at 90, Joe, um, that it could go to a million. And I meant that. It could also go to one and in fact, it may do both of those. So I think Tyler's exactly right. It could go to a million. But the stories that we tell about why relative to the value of but gold that, or other currencies, Henry, 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 Chris. No, Henry, there, there is in, you can make. Why do you think Andreessen and Peter Thiel and Paul Tudor Jones uh, and, and lately Elon Musk, you can look at distributed uh, computing and decentralized or a distributed ledger, you can find a way to ascribe value to that as a unit yes. of work. So to just keep you, saying yes. that it's just someone, it's a greater fool, someone pays more for it, and there's no underlying value, that's false. Joe, that's if, false. If, if, if people, too, decide that for the next couple hundred years, Bitcoin is where you park your money when you want to take it out of a fiat system, okay, that's possible. But the story used to be that we were all going to use it for transactions. Okay. That's no not, one does that anymore because it's terrible right. for that. So I don't know. So, what, so anyway. You, it's a tulip. That's, you're back to that. Are you back <laughs> no, to the it's tulip? A, it's a wonderful <laughs> speculative bubble that could go right. a lot higher. All right. All right. All right. Uh, and I own some, so I always got to disclose that. So, but I do not. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty obvious. All right. All right. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's not, Winklevoss says it's not too late. 
Do you want to take the pl- I just don't want you taking the plunge at like 250000 and saying, golly, I was, uh, what did I do? Uh, anyway, you don't uh, have to speculate, Joe. It's an option. You don't have to play the game. not just be that. All right. Thank you, Henry. Henry, we will uh, we'll revisit this. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Etsy crushed Wall Street estimates for the fourth quarter. Hey, I bought stuff after adding 61 million new and reactivated shoppers to its platform. CEO Josh Silverman. During the pandemic, people can't spend on travel. They can't spend on dining. So they're spending a disproportionate share of wallet on retail. And when they're spending on retail, they can't go to the mall. So they're spending a disproportionate amount on e-commerce. We'll be right back. Summer. The best time of year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew uh, Ross Sorkin. Uh, it's Friday. I'm in love. Etsy blowing past earnings expectations, revenue more than doubling in the most recent quarter. The online retailer, one of the big pandemic winners, shares up more than 300 percent over the past year. And it's the biggest pre-market gainer in the S&P right now. Joining us to talk about the quarter and the outlook ahead, Josh Silverman, CEO of Etsy. Josh, it's great to see you this morning. You just had this blowout quarter. Uh, let's talk about what you think the future looks like. Um, and I ask in large part because I think we're all hoping that we're about to get into a post-pandemic world uh, that may bode well for some and may bode less well for others. That's right. Well, 2020 was a spectacular year for Etsy. I think it was a time when circumstance met preparedness and millions and millions of people discovered Etsy for the first time or, or maybe rediscovered Etsy uh, at a time when they hadn't been to Etsy in, in a long time. And, you know, Etsy is the kind of business that gets better as it gets bigger. Uh, so more buyers means more sellers, more sellers means more buyers, which, which makes the marketplace a whole lot better. So to, to your point, uh, you know, none of us really know what 2021 brings. None of us have a, a crystal ball. But if I look at uh, 2020, e-commerce grew at an, a, a crazy rate. E-commerce grew at over 40% year over year. And yet Etsy grew two and a half times the rate of e-commerce. So uh, I don't know what e-commerce is going to do in 2021, but, but I hope and believe that Etsy will be able to continue to outpace e-commerce overall. In, in terms, though, of the way you think the shopping experience takes place, do you think, I mean, by default, uh, the growth, do you think, I mean, I, you're, is it how, what's the chance you have the same kind of growth rate next year, for example? Well, 
first on, on the on the bull side, there's a lot of people we tend to forget. There's a lot of people even in 2019 who still shopped almost exclusively at the mall, who never shopped online. So millions of people started shopping online in 2020 who hadn't before, and they they loved it, and it was convenient and interesting, and and uh, so we brought a lot of people into e-commerce who weren't there before. On the bear side, during the pandemic, people can't spend on travel, they can't spend on dining, so they're spending a disproportionate share of wallet on retail. And when they're spending on retail, they can't go to the mall, so they're spending a, a disproportionate amount on e-commerce. So what I don't know and what I don't know that any of us know is what's going to happen to consumer spending overall as, you know, as, as restrictions ease. What I do know, though, is if you look over the long term, if you're looking at 2022 and 2023 and beyond, e-commerce is bigger uh, and stronger and will be bigger and stronger, I believe, as a result. Josh, uh, as you know, Elon Musk tweeted on January 26th. I hope you've saved the tweet. I kind of love Etsy. How much was that tweet worth, you think, this quarter? You know, Etsy trades on the fundamentals and is always traded on the fundamentals. So at the time that he sent that tweet, Etsy's stock price went up. I forget the amount, but I think we gained a billion and a half, two billion dollars in market cap for two hours. And then the stock price settled right back down to where it started before the tweet. And by the way, he was tweeting about the fact that he loves the Etsy marketplace. He was tweeting about a, a product that he bought for his dog, which which I love. Um, but, you know, we trade on the fundamentals, and I think it's so important that we keep talking about the fundamentals, and, and I hope Etsy stock always trades on the fundamentals and not on some story that's, that's other than that. Uh, are you thinking at all about accepting Bitcoin? Not right now. I'm a holder. I've held Bitcoin for six or seven years now, I think, um, on the theory that uh, I think it can be an interesting store of value. It could be a, an interesting tender someday, but you need a whole lot more people to buy it uh, and own it uh, before I think it's really useful for people as, as a form of tender. And then finally, I wanted to ask you about how you see the marketplace world versus the, the website or store world, given the success of Shopify. How many of your um, small businesses are both on, on your service and also developing their own? And what does that mix look like for you? You know, many of our sellers uh, will also have their own shop. The, the challenge is creating your own shop uh, today is, 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 is creating a lemonade stand in the desert, right? It, it's harder and harder for an individual site to rise above the noise and become a brand that people can remember. All the trends I see is that, you know, we're consolidating to fewer and fewer large e-commerce platforms. And that's because the human brain can only remember so many brands. We can only keep four, five, six, eight brands in mind. For everything else, we've got to go to Google or we've got to go to Facebook. And, and, and if you're downstream of Google or Facebook, then they're going to be the ones who get all of the economics. Right. So I don't think it's likely that there's going to be 2 million thriving individual places to go buy things right. 10 years from now. I think there's going to be a handful. So the job of Etsy is to create a brand that stands for something that's meaningful right. and lift all of our sellers up as a result. Josh Silverman, it's great to see you. I hope you come on back. We can have a longer conversation about uh, the future of retail altogether. Look forward to it. You bet. See you soon. And that's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Friday. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you like what you hear, let us know. We're on Twitter at Squawk CNBC, or leave us a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find Squawk Pod. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.